0: Welcome to The Reload, where we help unconventional leaders craft the life they truly want by questioning the assumptions they have about how life works. My name is Sean, and I'll be your host on this journey. As a performance coach and special operations combat veteran, I help high-performing executives kick ass in their careers while connecting with deeply powerful insights that fuel their lives. All right, back at it again, and welcome if you're new and... Thank you if you have been listening for a while. Obviously, I greatly appreciate the fact that you are willing to spend your valuable time listening to these hopefully thought-provoking episodes. So today, I wanted to dive into something that I had observed recently in a coaching session with a CEO that I'm coaching and One of his observations recently. Now, I don't know, set this up a little bit. One of the things that I have noticed, and for those who have never listened to the show before. The majority of my clientele is made up of corporate executives, whether that's in privately held companies or publicly held companies. Who are typically in that vice president or above rank. And all of my clients, whether it's in the corporate world or whether it is in the, you know, former military special operations world or some of the other kind of random clients that come my way, all of them are tremendously intelligent, tremendously accomplished and really, really sharp when it comes to their trade, their craft, their profession. So we're we're not talking about dumb shits here. We're, We're talking about people that are at the top of their game. And even with that, they're not able to recognize some of the issues that are affecting their performance, their relationships, their ability to achieve the life that they want to achieve. And obviously, (laughs) that's where I step in. And if it's not me, then, you know, any sort of coach. But in recognizing that they don't have everything that they want to have. And I don't, I really don't mean material possession. What I really mean is more just the experience of this world, the experience of their life. Because, quite honestly, most of my clients, if not all of them, can buy whatever it is they want to buy. So that's usually not the issue. And in fact, it is that capacity to buy whatever they want to buy, but still recognizing that in some way it's not enough. In some way they have yet to really fully achieve the felt experience that they want, that that element is what causes them to reach out for help. And so as a performance coach or, I don't know, I mean these days you can get any kind of coach out there that you want. And I think a lot of it is just kind of like marketing trying to figure out, Oh, is this the right kind of person for me? But regardless of of what title or label the coach is putting on their, their services, one of the fundamental value adds, I guess, that, that coaches offer is the capacity to help people see patterns that they would otherwise not see on their own. And one of my mentors when he introduces himself to a prospective client or interviews a prospective client one of the questions that he always asks is what is it in your life that you want to achieve and that you feel unable to achieve on your own and it's a you know a pretty foundational question but many prospective clients have never actually thought about that but ostensibly, you're reaching out for help because you feel like you can't actually tackle something on your own. And I think in other trades uh, or other areas of, of one's life, it's more self-evident. You know, so if you tweak your knee and your knee is bothering you, well, you kind of have this implicit expectation that you're going to go to the doctor or you're going to go to a physical therapist to get their help in sorting that out. But when it comes to one sense of fulfillment or happiness, you know, the areas or or spiritual connection or, you know, performance at work in terms of relationships, ability to capture and inspire the hearts and minds of those who work with you, I have typically run into a fair amount of... mm, sort of this tacit attitude of, oh yeah, I can, I can manage that on my own. And so oftentimes with prospective clients, they, they kind of uh, circle the drain quite a bit and they come nibbling in, they want to have a conversation and then they kind of think, ah, I can, I can handle this on my own. And then they go away (laughs) and then they run into more problems and more trouble or they're just not achieving what they want to achieve. And then they come back and then they We have another little conversation and then they go away again thinking, ah, no, no, I can really, I can, I can definitely take care of this on my own. And then usually after a couple of those kinds of conversations, when it comes back for the third, fourth time, it's kind of like, Hey, um, you know, we've kind of seen a pattern here. Do you think maybe it's time to actually pull the trigger on coaching? And so in that helping people recognize pattern is a key element in the coaching relationship. Now, what does this have to do with today's conversation? Well, what I've noticed, and I've noticed this in times when I have been a client and I notice it a lot in all the clients that I've worked with, is we have a capacity as human beings to lose the forest for the trees. We have this capacity to, I suppose, inflate the importance and the distraction quality or factor of individual details, such that we no longer recognize yeah, you know, what is it that we're actually going for here in the first place? What is the bigger picture that we're attempting to serve or attempting to achieve? Because we're so distracted by individual detail. And that's where a coach really does offer a lot of value. Because one, they're not, at least they shouldn't be, involved in their own or on their own sort of personal, emotional level in the client's details. Can coaches be very emotionally connected to wanting their clients to succeed? Yeah, I think that's reasonable. But generally there ought not to be this Connection to a specific outcome for the client. So for instance, in the work that I do, the thing that I'm really hoping to help clients achieve is clarity. Clarity about why they make the decisions they do, why they avoid making certain decisions, why they want the life they want or say they want the life they want. And where it is that they're not actually going about making that life happen. But I'm not invested in any particular outcome in terms of, you know, should they go left or should they go right? Provided that they're getting to that level of clarity. You know, what the actual end destination is, what their life actually ends up looking like. Tangibly, you know, sort of where the rubber meets the road. That is not my concern. My concern is really that they do have that inner awareness. And really, ultimately, that is the heart of today's conversation. How do we get to awareness? How do we really get to clarity? And this is another area where, with every client that I've worked with, there's been some level of struggle when it comes to how they learn, when it comes to how they pick up awareness. And I would say that in that, one of the key weak points or stumbling blocks is the ability to learn by analogy or by metaphor. But ultimately, the point is, how can we take advantage of, and I don't mean it in some sort of Machiavellian malevolent way, but just how do we utilize other imagery or um, construct or stories or experiences of others so that we can accelerate our learning, so that we can accelerate our awareness of what's going on. And in the beginning of a coaching relationship, one of the things that I found as, again, that, that sort of big stumbling block is how often clients are connected to this idea that well, it's not an idea, but to this habit, I guess, of, well, if it's not directly applicable to me, if it's not directly applicable to my experience, if I haven't personally lived it, and if the words are not crafted specifically for the vocabulary that I'm used to using, well, then it doesn't make sense, and it doesn't apply. And what I've noticed over the, the arc of a client's Work, You know, sort of this, this inner development work is the way in which they grow in their capacity to absorb information, to understand, well, first to recognize and then understand the underlying principles that take place in a given interaction or in a given story, even if that applies to somebody else. And so reflecting on this conversation that I had recently with the CEO, the CEO is brilliant. And when I did a 360 and interviewed people around the CEO, that was one of the most common observations is how smart he is and how he's always several steps ahead of the people in the room. And I was in this conversation, this coaching conversation with the CEO, and and what he ended up talking about was something that he was observing in a couple of other leaders in the company. And it doesn't matter what it was. What matters is that he was able to recognize, oh, wow, I do that too. So the coaching institute through which I received my formal certification has a set of foundation principles. One of which, germane for today, is each person we meet is our teacher and student. And to me, this is a really powerful statement. And it's one that I live every day. You know, oftentimes, and and you've heard me say this multiple times on the show, that coaches often coach themselves in other people's forms, meaning the clients that we attract and the clients that we work with very frequently experience the same dynamics, the same stumbling blocks that the coach themselves, themselves, grammar may not be my strong suit, but that the coach has experienced for him or herself or is currently experiencing. That's always a real spicy one. When we get to, in the moment of the conversation or the exchange, when we recognize, oh my God, I do that exact thing and I'm doing it right now with somebody in my life. You know, whether that is I don't know, disregarding them or the way in which, you know, one of the things that's really common for a lot of my clients is, well, I'm working nonstop for the family. And then they don't recognize how they're not actually spending time with the family because of all the work they're doing for the family. And what do they mean by that? Well, they mean securing, financial safety and, you know, the ability to send the kids to the best schools and the ability to take nice vacations. Although the irony there, right, is that the executive doesn't actually partake in the vacation. I mean, they may go, but their vacation is usually filled with meetings and calls and email, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, they usually link up with their family for dinner (laughs) before oftentimes hopping on more calls or getting to more email. But again, the the aspect here that we're looking at is where is it that we can do a better job of learning from other people's experience? Where do we allow other people to be our teacher? Even if they're younger or even if they're of lower rank, where do we have our eyes and ears up such that we can observe and be aware of, oh my gosh, yeah, that dynamic is something that I partake in. Because it can be tremendously powerful to watch it play out in somebody else's experience. Again, largely because we so frequently lose the forest for the trees, because we are emotionally invested in our trees, And I don't actually literally mean trees, obviously, but, you know, given that we're talking about analogy and metaphor today, hopefully that's sinking in. So it's tremendously instructive to be able to watch another person's uh, drama play out because we're not emotionally invested in it and we can really be observant, observant without that pressure. To do something. To make it okay. To make it end well. We can just watch. And we can ask questions. And say, well, what about this? Or what if, what if the assumptions that you have about the scenario weren't there? What if you didn't have those assumptions? Would it create more openness and more options? In how you respond to the scenario. But being able to really pause and slow things down and observe. And and the other thing, too, that's really powerful about allowing others to be our teacher, even if they're of lower rank, et cetera, et cetera, is that it can serve as a bit of a proxy to give ourselves more grace. So with most of my clients, actually all my clients, I don't know why I keep saying most, but all my clients, they are very, very harsh on themselves. And sure, they have really high standards for other people too. Don't get me wrong. But The way that they talk to themselves, their inner narrative, is incredibly harsh. And in some ways, you might even say cruel. You know, I've often asked them, hey, would you use this language with other people? Oh, God, no. (laughs) It's like, okay, well, why are you using it with yourself? But to be able to give another person grace, to be able to say to them, hey, do you feel like maybe you're going a little hard on yourself here? Or do you feel like the shame or the guilt that you're layering on top of yourself is actually proving to be counterproductive, counter-effective to creating solutions or to creating the change that you say you want to create? And seeing how that person can respond to that in a really positive way, in a way that freeze them and, and unlocks them, loosens them up, you know, cause this is one of the things, you know, I once had a client that said, pressure makes diamonds. Oh, well, yeah, can, can also crush them. And what I observe, at least in the folks that end up coming to work with me is they're typically pretty burned out on pressure but it's the only card they know how to play. And so if we can offer, and again, most of my clients are in positions of leadership where when they look around, most of the people around them report to them, or at the very least they outrank the people around them, even if it's not a direct report. And so if we can give those individuals grace, can that serve as a, again, a a learning example to potentially apply some of that grace and forgiveness and compassion to oneself. And how do you behave when you're in a position of greater compassion, of a little bit greater ease? And I don't mean laziness. None of my clients are lazy people but just ease how do we how do we just take a little bit of that pressure off i mean my god like why do we why do we walk around punishing ourselves so much with all the things that we say we have to get done and how we'll be a shitbag or some sort of um, deficient if we don't get all the things done if we don't put up top numbers every single quarter or whatever your performance metrics are or however you judge yourself. So to me, it can be tremendously powerful to really observe what's happening with other people, to be able to recognize where it is that we partake in the same destructive or self-limiting behaviors and beliefs And then even if we're not ready to do so for ourselves, how might we engage in a, I don't know, experiment, a trial by giving somebody else the compassion and the grace that we won't give ourselves yet? And what might that do for our journey through this life? If we gain more practice, With other people. Will that ultimately make it easier for us. To get where we want to go. All right. That does it for today. Hopefully this was. I don't know. Thought provoking. Or inspiring in some way. Or maybe it kind of just. Shed new light. On something that. Was previously a little fuzzy. In either case. If you did enjoy it. I would tremendously appreciate it if you would like, subscribe, share, follow. I don't know, whatever the things are today on social medias. But really, if you do see how this resonates, and if you also see how this might be applicable to somebody in your life, to send it to them and to say, hey, I think this would help. Until next time, take care of each other.